Thank you, men. Let's take our Bibles this morning and go to Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles. We've taken some time in these last verses of Ephesians chapter 5, not trying to belabor the thought or the instruction here from God's Word, but I don't want to rush over it either. And um, so we've taken some time beginning really with verse 21 down through verse number 33. Uh, a couple, about a month ago or so, I pre- took a Sunday for each, the husband and the wife. And we looked at what it meant for a husband to love his wife like Christ loves the church. And uh, we looked at what it is for a wife to submit herself to her own husband. And really the emphasis of those two messages were the need, uh, the God-given need that God has given to every wife. And the God-given need that God has given to every husband. And how, uh, and really that was the emphasis of those two messages. The emphasis of the last two messages has been on uh, how the wife should... Uh, focus on her ministry to her own husband, and uh, and to, this morning the emphasis will be on how the emphasis will be on how the husband should minister or focus on his ministry to his wife. Um, I don't know about you, but um, and I, I don't know your wife or your husband, ma'am, but oftentimes when we look at our spouse, we often don't look at them as a ministry. Now, it is true we're co-laborers together, we're helpmates one of another, we ought to be to one another. But oftentimes when we think of a ministry, we think of someone who has a need. And, uh, and so sometimes, especially in our homes, we, we tend not to see our family as having a need. Sometimes we expect more of our family than we do of anybody else that we work with. Or another way to put it would be this, sometimes we take for granted our spouse. Well, they'll always be there. Um, or, well, they, they should do it because, you know, they have to. And we just kind of assume that they'll always be there. I'm reminded of, of uh, my good friend who was married to his wife for over 60 years. And after her passing, he came to me and he said, I guess I thought she would always be there. And, uh, of course, he followed that up with, what's wrong with husbands today? (laughs) Don't they know what they have? That was the way he put it, only he had a real scowl on his face. (laughs) Don't they know what they have? You know, the reality is sometimes the things that are closest to us we take for granted. And, And that goes for both husbands and wives. We take for granted. Some of the things we nitpick, you know, well, they always do this, or he never takes off his shoes, or she never cooks it exactly the way it ought to be, or she never says this to me, or, and we tend to nitpick a lot of those things. I would encourage you, and I hope that over the past month as we've spent some time just uh, contemplating these words here at the end of Ephesians chapter 5, I hope, you've, I hope your love for your spouse has been refreshed. I hope that you've been convicted in your heart. I hope that there's been some brokenness. I hope there's been guilt at times and maybe even shame, but, but also knowing that there's forgiveness with the Lord. And just because a wife hasn't been submitting herself to her own husband or just because a husband hasn't been loving his own wife like Christ loves the church doesn't mean 
that you have to keep going down that path. And I want you to know that you don't have to keep going down that path. And so what we've been seeing here from this passage is God's plan for a godly, God-honoring marriage. And I want you to know that God's plan for marriage is really the only way to live. It's the only way to live a married life. And it's pleasing, it's enjoyable, there's harmony and unity, and there's wonderful joy. And I want you to know that. The other way to think about it would be this. When you and I take God at his word, and we do, we live, we have the marriage that God wants us to have. That is, we fulfill the role that God has given us to fulfill. It's called faith, and faith pleases God. And you know that every one of us in this room who are married can please God in our marriage. We can. God can be pleased. One of the things I loved growing up is when I pleased my parents. Um, I, I loved to please my wife. Uh, we, we, the men's softball team lost last Monday, 12 to 11, in a nail biter. And uh, after the game, you know, I, my adrenaline was still going. I had a hard time going to sleep. And so Cindy would start, to, I think she was starting to doze off. And I'd say, um, now on that one pop-up, do you think I... I think one time this summer I even asked, do I look funny when I run, dear? Because I feel funny. I'm 39. I, I don't feel light and agile anymore. You know, it's like, you know, the ground seems to be pounding my body as I run along. Do I look like I feel, dear? You know, and, and she'd say, no, you look great. That's all I needed to hear, you know. I look great. doesn't matter what reality is. I look great in the eyes of my wife. But I hope, I hope your marriage is getting better. I'll tell you the message this morning and... This idea of husbands loving your wives has been one that has um, had my attention since I was engaged, to, uh, since we were married, the day we were married, was when it really struck me for the first time. And uh, it's something that I'm striving for, and I think the message this morning will be help to you, because there's really only, only one way for you to love your wife the way Christ loves the church, and we're going to see that this morning. Let's look at our text, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, and this is the main idea for the message. Uh, We'll look at some other verses as well this morning. In verse 21, he says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Fear of God. That's just not a a reverence for God. We can revere someone. It has the idea of reverence for God, but a fear of God. That is, I'm going to live my life knowing that I'm going to stand before Almighty God someday, and I'm going to answer for what I have done with my life. The context of that verse is submitting yourselves one to another, submitting yourself to the need of your spouse, is the general context is where where Paul is going. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, we've taken time last week to consider the ministry of the wife to the husband and submitting herself to her own husband. And Father, this morning as we conclude chapter 5 in our study of it, Father, I pray that you'd make up a hedge of protection about this congregation of believers. Father, not a one of us is, is above falling into sin. Not a single marriage under the sound of my voice is beyond sin and its destruction, Father. But, Father, we have victory over sin and destruction in marriage. We can have glorious, wonderful, pleasing marriages, pleasing to you and enjoyable wonderful harmony and unity. And so, Father, I pray that you would guide us as husbands this morning. Father, I pray 
that you would make us as husbands into men who love our wives the same way that Jesus Christ loves us and gave himself for us. Father, help me to better know this. Help me to better live it out. And uh, Father, I'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, keep in mind the context. You might look back over to verse number 18. He says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I'll tell you right up front that it is impossible for a husband to love his wife like Christ loves the church without being filled with the Spirit. Now, if you don't get anything else this morning, you must get that. There are a lot of good husbands in the world today, okay? There's a lot of rotten husbands in the world today, too. There's a lot of great husbands in the world today, and I mean that. I mean, I mean husbands who are saved, who are great husbands. Have you ever noticed, though, that there are husbands who are not saved, who are great husbands, too? Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. You might, you might have some relatives or maybe a neighbor. You might have some friends, and, and they're not saved. They've never received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, but they've had a wonderful marriage. They love each other. They're best friends. They go places together. They have hobbies together. They have a wonderful marriage. Do you know anybody like that who's unsaved? There are people like that. Now, it, I, granted, it seems to be few and far between these days, but it's possible. But I, but I want you to know something it really is, it, it's possible to have a marriage that's great. It's possible to have similar hobbies and to get along and, and to raise kids and retire together and go on vacations and enjoy each other's company, but still not have the marriage that God wants. And I want you to know something else. The only way that a husband can truly love his wife like Christ loves the church is for that husband to be filled or controlled by the Spirit of God. We're going to walk through some things this morning, how you and I as a husband can be filled, controlled by the Spirit of God in the context of we're to be submitting ourselves to the need, the needs of our wives. Now, does that mean that a husband gives his wife whatever she wants? What do you think? No. Does the Lord Jesus Christ give us, the bride, whatever we want? No. <laughs> a wife is looking at me kind of with this smile, like, hmm. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, but it? But it's not the way God set it up. So a husband submitting himself to the needs of his wife doesn't mean that he's giving his wife whatever she wants or whatever she feels like. A wife who's in the flesh could really abuse her husband that way. She could take advantage of him. She could hurt him. She could go the wrong way, a long way. So that's not the role of the husband. The role of the husband is to meet the needs, to submit himself to the needs of his wife. God-given needs that God has given to his wife. And the only way to do that is to be under the control of the Spirit of God. The only way for us as husbands to love our wives like Christ loves the church is for Christ to love our wives through us. And that is an enormous task. And I'll say this, it's, it's, it's impossible unless a husband is submitting to the leadership of the Spirit of God in his life. Now, the Bible says a lot about marriage. You remember, God gave us marriage for companionship and help. He tells us that in Genesis chapter 2. He, he tells us again in chapter 2 that the husband and wife are to be united. They're to be one flesh. Uh, the Apostle Paul actually quotes from that passage in Genesis here in, 
In uh, Ephesians chapter 5, it says in verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Um, Johnny can't keep running back to mommy and daddy while he's married. He needs to leave his mom and his dad and cleave to his wife, and they need to be one flesh. Uh, So there's unity that God desires. In Genesis chapter 9, we're reminded that uh, husbands and wives, that, were, that marriage was instituted by God for uh, procreation, for childbearing, to replenish the earth. And then in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, he tells us that the husband and wife are to submit themselves one to another in the fear of God. Uh, and he's talking about uh, not so much the role, but the ministry of marriage. And, and, and please, I, I, hope you, I hope you grasp this over the past two weeks. The goal for me is not to go back and harp again on wives submitting themselves to their own husbands. That's the role of a wife. That's true. It's not to harp on husbands for not loving their wives the way Christ loves the church. The goal of this particular passage is that we would understand and grasp that God wants us to view our spouse as a ministry. In other words, they have needs. And God has given you to them to meet their need. I think sometimes we look around and we, we, we recognize that other people have help or, or need help. They have needs. We recognize that other people have needs. And many of us in this room are merciful people and we will go to great lengths to meet other people's needs. We'll say kind words. We'll give gifts. We'll write notes of encouragement. You know, oftentimes what goes on in marriage is not that. Well, they should know better, and so we don't write notes of encouragement. We don't say kind, encouraging words. We don't give gifts. Uh, we, we don't sacrifice personally for our spouse. And for some reason, it's almost like we've kind of written them off that, well, they should know better, or they should do better, and, and they don't have any needs. And I want you to know something. You and I have been given a God-given ministry by God to our spouse And and we are to serve them and we're to minister to them. The husband is to submit to the needs of his wife and that need is to be loved. The wife is to submit to the needs of her husband and that need of the husband is to be followed. And, 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 And do we know, do you know as a husband the need of your wife? And I'm saying what God says that she needs. Are you committed to meeting your wife's God given needs? Again, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but also, but every man also on the things of others. I'm to esteem the needs of my wife to be greater than my own needs. If all you gain from our study in these verses is, Well, you know what? I knew I had some needs, and my wife isn't meeting my needs. If that's all you get from this, you've made a mistake. Don't do that. And I'll, I'll mention it later, but you'll be, you'll be a miserable man. Ma'am, you'll be a miserable lady. You'll be a miserable wife. If, if all you've gained from this is, you know, I have a need, a God-given need that God made me with for my husband to minister to my need, and he doesn't minister to my needs, you're going to say, woe is me, and you're going to be miserable. And, you know, sometimes a spouse begins to try to manipulate their spouse to meet their needs. And there's all kinds of manipulation. Sometimes we try to buy our spouse to meet our needs. Some guys give up Monday night football so that she'll do something in return for him. She'll meet his need in some way. 
Uh, sometimes we, we just, people, husbands or wives get upset or angry or they pout or they complain or they go into silent mode, give the, their spouse the silent treatment, all in an effort to get their spouse to do something that they want them to do. And I want you to know that is the wrong way to look at marriage. That is not the God-given way for marriage. Don't do that. Instead, don't look at the needs, your own needs, but look at the need of your spouse. And say, God has given me the ability to meet that need. Now look at, look at verse 25. I'm going to read down through verse number 33. And just, let's let these words pour over us again. We're not going to look at all of them in detail. We've looked at much of them in detail already. But in verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. That's how we're to love our wives, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And that tells us at what level we're to love our wives, giving ourselves for her. Verse 26, he tells us why, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And we say, well, that's Christ loving the church. But then he says this, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. You remember how we talked about how, how our wives are valuable. They have incredible value. They're valuable to God, and they ought to be valuable to us. Verse 30, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And we'll stop there. Love your wife like Christ loves the church. I've told you the story when Cindy and I were married that day in Pennsylvania, Blue Ball, Pennsylvania. Hopped in the Pontiac Grand Prix, 1998 Pontiac Grand Prix, two-door, the wide track. You remember? It was cool in its day. And, uh, and a bunch of my buddies had written hearts and, and names all over the glass, and we couldn't hardly see. And we drove, started driving north into New England for our honeymoon. And I looked over at Cindy, you know, and I thought, wow, she's beautiful. I kept driving, drove a little longer. I looked back over at her, and wow, I can't believe she's my wife. Look back over, and, uh, and, and the thought went through my mind, this verse, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And that was probably, that was the, that's how I felt in my mind. What, what is that? I mean, I love her, but how am I supposed to love her like Christ loves the church? And even this past week, God has been con- connecting some dots in my mind and my heart to help me better understand what it is for me to love my wife like Christ loves the church. Cindy could tell you, but for the last few weeks, I've asked her, what do you think it means for a husband to love, for me to love you the way Christ loves the church? And I just like hearing her talk about it. And she doesn't say much about it, actually. She's a little quiet about it, um, which I appreciate. You know, she's, she's not just looking to manipulate me to get me to do be the husband she wants me to be, I think she has a strong desire for me to be, for me to be the husband God wants me to be. 
And, and wives, you would be well to have that attitude. Uh, you know, you might have a list of things or, a, or a, a sketch of what you think your husband ought to be or what you would like him to be. But really what we ought to desire, what you ought to desire for your husband is, God, make my husband into the man you want him to be. God, help him to love me the way you want him to love me and to care for me the way you want him to care for me. Not manipulating one another. The question for us as husbands is, are we sacrificially leading our wives? Are we lovingly leading our wives? The husband is the head of the wife. The Bible tells us that in this passage, husbands were to sacrificially lead our wives. And someone might say to us, well, uh, where's the sacrifice? How, how is leading sacrificial? I mean, come on. I mean, that's not too hard. They get to lead. And I would say to you that leadership is not easy. Leadership is not easy. True leadership carries a weight that can cripple the best of us and often does husbands in the home. Sometimes husbands just pack it in. Husbands and fathers trying to train up kids in this day and age and, and, and trying to be the husband that we ought to be. Some Maybe you're here this morning and you've just kind of packed it in. You've kind of given up. And maybe it's been years ago that you did. You just kind of packed in. You said, you know what, that's it. You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to. I'm going to have my hobbies. I'm going to, I'm going to bring home the, the money and, and feed my family and clothe my family and provide housing for my family. I'm going to do those basic things, but I've kind of packed it in on this whole idea of loving my wife like Christ loves the church. I, you've given up on it. Don't do that. But it's true that the load of leadership can cripple the best of a, of a man. There's a high price to pay for leadership, and it doesn't matter if you're leading a country or if you're leading your home. The cost of leadership is great. And the burden of leadership is heavy. And the leader understands that he's been appointed by God. And husbands, you should understand that. You should understand you've been appointed by God to lead your home sacrificially. Putting the needs of your family before your own needs. You should understand that you, as a husband, are accountable to God for your ministry to your wife. You're going to stand before God someday and you're going to give an account to him for the ministry that he entrusted into your care your wife, you're going to answer to God for that. You're responsible for those that God loves. And you're going to be criticized by those that you love. And that's the load of leadership. No one likes to be criticized. No one likes to be questioned. No one likes to make a decision, find out later it was the wrong decision. And everybody look at you like, didn't you see that? And you say, no, I didn't see that. The leader has to say no sometimes, and the leader has to say yes or go sometimes. Sometimes the leader, the father, and the husband in the home has to say, you know what, I, I, we're, we're not going to watch that in our home. No, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do that. I'm no, I, I, to protect my family, I'm going to build some fences, and we're not going to do it. And sometimes the leader in the home has to say, we're going to go. We're going to do this because the Bible says to do it and because it's the right thing to do. And you know what? You, you might get some feedback or some kickback and, well, everybody else is doing it. <laughs> it was while uh, just a week or so ago, uh, Ian was uh, talking to me about something. I don't remember what it was, but uh, I think it was a movie. Some of his friends had watched the movie and, 
And he's, he wants to watch the movie, and he, he wouldn't stop. He just kept going. You know, he just wouldn't stop. And so in the presence of his grandmother, he said, well, Dad, everybody else has seen it. And she started to laugh, and she's like, Ian, that's not the way to win that argument. <laughs> I mean, there may be nothing wrong with the movie, but that's not the way to go about winning the argument with Dad, you know. Everybody else has seen it. Sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have to say, yes, we're going to go. We're going to do that. We're going to be, we're going to be faithful in these areas. We're going to... You're going to lead your wife, you're going to lead your children in the way that you ought to go. Being a leader is not easy. Uh, This past year, it's been a number of years since, uh, what has it been? It's been quite a few, 1944, June 6th, D-Day. And you, you probably have the picture in your mind of those landing craft making their way across the English Channel and the balloons in the air to keep enemy planes away and the landing craft as they came in the waters were choppy and some of those landing craft never made the shore and all the men with all their gear sank to the bottom of the English Channel and died thousands of men died on those beaches in Normandy and uh, can you imagine being the leader in one of those landing crafts and yelling at your men to go The front drops down and the shells are coming and the bullets are sizzling by and you're yelling, go, 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 and you're watching men around you die. Being a leader is not easy. And as a husband, you are called of God to be a sacrificial, loving leader to your wife. To put her needs above your own. To to esteem her to be better than yourself. To, To be a leader means you have to be able to identify weaknesses and strengths. You ought to compliment when you're able to compliment and to confront if there's a need to confront and do so in the right way, in a godly manner. I'm talking about a husband loving his wife. I think Paul captures the essence of this ministry that a husband, that we as as husbands are to have to our wives. And I think he was able to capture it in two words. And those words are both found in verse number 25. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And here it comes, and here they are, gave himself. Those are the two words, he gave himself. As I was thinking about, just over the past couple of weeks, my role as a husband and my responsibility and my ministry to my wife, my responsibility to love her the way Christ loves the church, and as even over the past couple of weeks I've pondered, am I loving my wife like Christ loves the church? Do I do it consistently? Am I characterized by that as a husband of loving my wife like Christ loves the church? I don't think there's ever been a time in our 16 years of marriage where Cindy has asked me or made the accusation, you're not loving me like Christ loves the church. There have been times where I haven't loved her like Christ loves the church. But I I was asking and thinking this week, am I characterized by, by loving my wife like Christ loves the church? And the two words that jumped off the page to me were, Christ gave himself. He gave himself. And if you and I are going to be husbands who love our wives the way Christ loves the church, we're going to have to give ourselves for our wives. Christ, as I think about those two words, he gave himself. I I think of it this way, Christ sought to do his Father's will. He was surrendered to doing his Father's will. Husband, you're not going to be able to love your wife like Christ loves the church if you 
in your own personal life are not surrendered to doing the will of your Father, your Heavenly Father. You're not going to love your wife like Christ loves the church. Now, you may be a good husband. You may be better than most husbands. But the only way you're going to be able to fulfill Christ's command to you and your ministry to your wife is if you're surrendered to God's will for your life. And it's not just going to be in this area. You you know what I'm saying by that? You see, we're focusing focusing this morning on our ministry to our wife. Here she is, our wife, there's your wife, and, and your ministry to your wife. And we're talking about how you are supposed to love your wife like Christ loves the church. And I'm to love my wife like Christ loves the church. But I'm telling you right up front that it's impossible and you will not give yourself for your wife in a way that's pleasing to the Lord if you're not surrendered to God's will for your life. You're going to have to be surrendered. The word surrender means to give up. You're going to have to give something up. And it's your will. It's your will. The hymn goes All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender, I I surrender all. Are you surrendered as a husband? Are you surrendered as a husband? Have you surrendered your life as a living sacrifice unto God and said, God, take my life and, Father, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, God, I've surrendered my will to yours. Your will be done in my life as a husband. Husband, you're never going to love your wife like Christ loves the church if you're not surrendered to the will of God. I also look at, at, at Christ's example, and I notice that he followed God's direction. He followed God's word. Now, again, I'm just thinking about these two, wor- these two words in, in verse 25, that Christ gave himself. Why did he do that? Well, he gave himself in obedience to his father's words, his father's direction. And again, I could say to us here this morning, you'll never, you'll never love your, your wife like Christ loves the church. You may be a great husband, but you're not going to fulfill your ministry to your wife if you're not willing to follow your father's words. One last truth I notice in our passage is that Jesus Christ lovingly sacrificed himself for our salvation. And this is all coming from those two words. He gave himself. He was surrendered to his father's will. He was willing to follow his father's words and directions. And he lovingly sacrificed himself for us. And as husbands, we are told, we are commanded, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. He gave himself for it. He gave himself for it. I'm to give my life for my wife. Now, there are other passages of scripture where we're to lay down our lives for the brethren. So this is not making an idol out of our wife, and you should know that. You should not make an idol out of your wife. You should not put her in a position over and above God. But I want us all to know with with very absolute certainty this morning that as we honor God, we will love our wives like Christ loves the church. As we are surrendered to God's will, as we follow God's direction, the Holy Spirit of God will empower us to love our wives the way the Lord Jesus Christ loves us. So a husband that's sacrificial leading his life will do a few things. One, he'll be surrendered to do the Lord's will. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ was praying. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was praying the night he was betrayed. And he says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The Lord Jesus Christ knew what was about to take place. He was about to be forsaken. He was about to be abandoned. He was about to be betrayed. He was about to be wrongfully tried. He was about to be beaten and scourged. He was about to be crucified. The next day he would be crucified and hung on a cross. And he would take the sins of the whole world upon his body. The cross is a symbol of sacrifice. It's a symbol of love. It's a symbol of selflessness. And the Lord Jesus Christ, when he prayed that night to his father... He said, if thou be willing, let this cup pass from me. What he was about to undertake was incredible sacrifice and heartbreak and hardship. And yet he prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so as we read about this in verse 25, how Christ gave himself for the church, for you and for me, I go back to a passage like Luke chapter 22, and I think, how did he get to the place where he was willing to give himself for our salvation? And the answer is, he was surrendered to do the, the will of his Father. He was surrendered to do the will of his Father. And so, sir, I ask you this morning, are you surrendered to God's will? Are there pockets in your life, areas of your life, where you're just not surrendered to God? Sir, you cannot love your wife like Christ loves the church with an addiction to pornography. You can't do it. You, you can't love your wife like Christ loves the church if you're not willing to forgive her. If you're bitter, you can't do it. You're going to have to surrender to the will of your Heavenly Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our salvation because he was willing, he was surrendered to do the will of his heavenly father. Are you surrendered to God's will? Does your wife know that you're surrendered to God's will? And by the way, she knows. She knows. And I'm, and I'm not saying, our wife knowing if we're surrendered to God's will or not is not based upon an outward show or words alone. She knows. We all know that as husbands, don't we? <laughs> Our wife knows us. She knows us inside and out. She knows our weaknesses. She knows our strengths. But you know what? With every man comes weaknesses and strengths and failures and successes. With every husband comes those things. But you know what, men? Our wives can know that we are surrendered to doing the will of God. We have given up our will and said, Lord, take my life and lead me and guide me. And Father, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. I'm surrendered to your will. When's the last time your wife has seen you praying to the Lord? When's the last time your wife has seen you searching the scriptures, looking for truth to, to, to mold you as a man and as a husband? Does she know, does she know that you are following, or you, that you're surrendered to God? A man who's surrendered to the Lord stops looking within and he starts looking above to the, to the word of God, to the direction of God, to the infallible word of God. And man, yeah, some of what I'm talking about is discipline. To go back daily and to be daily in the word of God. 
When's the last time that your wife has heard you pray for wisdom or for your business or for wisdom as it relates to you and your local church and how, God, how do you want me to serve and serve the body of Christ of which I'm a part? Are you surrendered to your Father's will? That's the question. God's will for you is not that you would die in an old rugged cross for the sins of the whole world, sir. It's that you would die to self and you'd say yes to His Holy Spirit and that you would be surrendered to His will for your life. When's the last time she's heard you pray for your home and the training up of your children? Does your wife know that you're seeking God? Are you seeking God? In Matthew 6 and verse 33, the Lord says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He talks about raiment, clothing, and food, and and all these things that the Gentiles seek. And then He says to those who are following Him, He says, But seek you, you seek first the kingdom of God. Can that be said of you? I know we have some busy men, and there's men in this room I respect uh, at the highest level. There are men in this room I, I look up to, and, and, and you may know it or maybe you don't know it, but I watch your lives and I, and I learn from you and I, I say, wow, look at, look, at how that, look at how that man as a father has trained up his kids, or look at how that man loves his wife, or look at how that man, his understanding of the word of God and his wisdom, or look at that man in his humility, and, and I see Christ in you and I watch your lives and I admire you, and I look at others and I say, wow, what a hardworking man, or what a, this, this guy, he always... He always checks in all the, the boxes. You know, he never overlooks anything. He always gets it all done. Or, or this fellow, he always does things at the highest level. It's a, a, a good testimony having a, a reputation for doing things as unto God with a spirit of excellence in everything he does. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Allow him to be successful in business. I want to build this beautiful home. I want to have this collection of cars. I want to, I want to bag some trophy bucks. None of these things are sinful in and of themselves. I want to be a success in the workplace. I want to attain to this. Hey, those things are fine and good, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Does your wife know that you are surrendered to the will of your father? Is God's will your will? It needs to be that way. He gave himself. He was surrendered to the will of his father. Secondly, I noticed that he followed God's direction. And I'll say it this way to you as a husband. If you're going to love your wife like Christ loves the church, you're going to have to be devoted to following God's direction. And I mean that devotion. You're going to have to be devoted. You know, the word religion has kind of lost its meaning in our generation. To be religious about something. What does that mean? Going to church once a week or once a month or saying that you believe in God? Uh, religion, re- re- being religious about something kind of has lost its meaning in our society today. It used to have the idea that Nothing else came first. It was supreme. Like everything else paled in comparison. Sir, are you devoted to following the Lord Jesus Christ with your life? In other words, the job can go. If I lose the house, so be it. We'll we'll move into a smaller house. 
The things don't ultimately matter. I'm thankful for them. I maintain them. I praise God for giving me these things that I can use and and, and enjoy and and this life and the health that he's given to me. But you know what? Come what may, if he takes my health away, if he if God removes my wealth or if God removes my physical abilities or anything like that, I am devoted to following the Lord Jesus Christ with everything that I have. When I think of those words that Christ gave himself, he was devoted to following God's direction. And so really what I'm saying is have some unwavering convictions as a husband. There are just some things in your life as a husband you will never compromise on. And those things must be based upon the word of God. Not based upon necessarily how you were raised or what you've seen in somebody else. But those convictions that I'm talking about, uh, they need to be based upon the word of God. If God says this, by the grace of God, honey, and my kids, we are going to do it. And I'm not talking about with a high-handed, arrogant attitude either. I'm talking with a humble, Christ-like attitude. God has said it, and so it is important, and we are going to follow it. We're going to be there. We're going to do it. it, it it's not a, a wishy-washy type of leadership. In John 4 and verse 34, Jesus said this to his disciples, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Christ was devoted to doing the will of his father. And you and I as husbands, you see this, he was surrendered to his father's will. He was devoted to following his father's word. And so he gave himself for his bride, the local church. And you and I are commanded to love our wives in the very same way. But we will not love our wives the way Christ loves the church, short, uh, with having shortcuts around being surrendered to our Father's will. It's impossible. We can't short-circuit that he gave himself for us. We, we wouldn't know that God loved us, that Christ loved us, had he not given himself for us. And our wife needs to know that we love her. We must follow our Heavenly Father's direction. Do you want what God wants, is what I could ask. Does your wife know that you want what God, God wants? Does she know where you're going? And I'm not talking about heaven or hell. Does she know where you're headed, what you're aiming at, what your goal is? Do you have some convictions that aren't for sale? Are your convictions based upon the word of God? Are you a man who's given to change? Are you a man that can't make up his mind? Or a man who's easily swayed by our society? Or a man who follows the lust of his flesh? Are you characterized by following you? Charting your own course? Don't do it. Be a man who's devoted to following the Lord. Galatians 5.16 says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Maybe you're a man here this morning, and you say, or a husband this morning, and you say, you know, Pastor Ferguson, I am a man who walks in his flesh, but, but Pastor Ferguson, I struggle with it, and every man does to some degree, and, and Pastor Ferguson, that's just the way that I am, and maybe someday when I die and go to heaven, I won't struggle with that anymore. My flesh will be put off at that point. I'll never struggle with it again, but until then, Pastor Ferguson, that's who I am. I'm a man who struggles with his flesh and just kind of lives according to his flesh. And so your temper shows it, and other things show it. Paul said, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
You see, if I'm willing to walk in the Spirit and I systematically, and you systematically as a man day by day, moment by moment, say yes to the Spirit of God, you're walking in the Spirit one, one decision, one truth at a time. A decision comes across your plate. You know what, I can buy this, but I'm not going to be able to give faithfully as God commands. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to say yes to the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I'm not going to buy that. I could, but then I couldn't obey God. I'm going to say no to me and yes to God. Walk in the Spirit. Or maybe you're in a conversation with your wife and you're not seeing things eye to eye. And you know what? The tenor of the voices is getting a little bit more intense. And you're really trying to convey what you're, you, know, you want to communicate to your wife. And she's doing the same thing to you. And somebody needs to walk in the Spirit and give a soft answer. Speak in love and, and peaceful words. Not just ratchet it up so we can just get what we want. Be the leader in your home. Be the leader in your home. James 1 verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Hot today, cold tomorrow. It creates instability and fearfulness in the heart of your wife. If you're living one way in front of your church family and another way in front of your work buddies, you're difficult to follow as a husband. Lead your wife. Lead your wife to pray. Lead your family to pray. Lead your family to read God's word and lead your family to trust God and to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Lead your family to meet with the church as often as you possibly can, to grow in your understanding of God, to love Christ fervently, and to do the will of God. You know, your wife should know at your core that you want to honor God above everything else in your life. Seth may love duck hunting, or he may love golfing, or he may love cars, and he may want to jump out of a plane and skydiving, or... Or he may like to downhill ski, or he may like to boat, and, and on and on. The list can go of things that we like to do. But at the end of the day, our wives ought to know, but above everything else, you can take everything else away, and at the end of the day, my husband wants to honor God with his life. He surrendered to God, and he wants to be devoted to everything that God's asking of him. Very quickly, verse 25, we'll end with this. You need to lovingly sacrifice for your wife. And that really is the core of what we're talking about. And can I say to you today, husband, sir, you can make this decision. You ought to make the decision. Maybe this morning you say, you know what, I'm not surrendered to God's will. Or I've not been devoted to following God's direction. I'm reminded of Joshua in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. He said, and if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord... Choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. I'm going to be surrendered to his will. I'm going to be devoted to his word. And the result of that is a husband who lovingly sacrifices for his wife. Look again at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He gave himself. The other day I was in line and there was a college, a couple of college kids in front of me. And uh, I don't know if they were engaged or they had just met. I don't know. But they looked like they really liked each other a lot. 
you know, there was no smooching going on, but they were making eye contact, you know, and, and they were giggling without saying anything. Have you ever seen that? You know, that's kind of disgusting. Anyway, uh, and they were holding hands, you know, and he was like playing with her fingers and she was playing with his fingers and, and they were leaning on each other, you know, and it's like, you know, you know, somewhere else, you know, anywhere else. And I was, I was watching him, though. You know, I saw him. You couldn't really help but see. And, you know, there I was with them and the other people. And, uh, and I, I, I thought to myself, I wonder if they really love each other. They like each other. That's obvious. I wonder if they really love each other. I wonder if they love each other sacrificially. I wonder if he's ever had to sacrifice for her, if she's ever had to sacrifice for him. I thought of a friend of mine who I've mentioned a couple times, not by name, but married over 60 years, and as his wife was beginning to fail, and her memory was going away and didn't recognize him anymore sometimes. He was getting her up and bathing her and clothing her, picking out, going shopping for her to buy her new clothes that he knew were her style, and uh, putting on her makeup, doing her hair, all these things. And there's no doubt in my mind that that man loved his wife sacrificially. When she couldn't give anything back. But looking at this young couple, had they ever, I mean, there was something to gain, to be gained in their playing. Are you as a husband lovingly sacrificing for your wife? Have you sacrificed for her lately? It's not love. It's not sacrificial love that costs nothing. So when we think about how we ought to love our wives, we ought to love our wives sacrificially, and that's the answer. The evidence of biblical love, you remember, is measured by cost, what it costs. When God wants to show us how much he loves us in his word, he reminds us of how much it cost him. For God so loved the world. How much did he love the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Again, later on, I think it's in, what is it, Romans 5 and verse 8, but God showed, he commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much did he love us? He loved us so much he was willing to die for us. He was willing to take up his cross and he was willing to die for us on a cross. That's sacrificial love. And we're commanded the way Christ loved the church. We're commanded and expected to love our wives. And we're to give ourselves for our wives. You see, the evidence of Christ's love was his sacrifice. And the evidence of our love for one another is our sacrifice for one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye love one another. The evidence of your love is your sacrifice. Jesus Christ sacrificed much on the cross for his bride, for us as the church. He humbled himself when he hung in shame. He surrendered his friends when they forsook him and fled, all so that he could do the will of his father. He gave up all his relationships, especially the one he enjoyed with his father. He lost his primary source of joy when his father turned his back on him because Jesus Christ had become our sin Christ loved the church so much that he let go of all comfort and suffered as no man has ever suffered before or after. And ultimately, he sacrificed his own life. He gave himself 
1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. When we want to understand the love of Christ, we merely have to look at his sacrifice. He gave himself. I hope there's not a single wife in this room this morning who will go home and for days or weeks or months or years to come that you'll beat your husband with these truths. Don't do that. But as a wife, you ought to pray for your husband so that someday he can stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and hear a well done, thou good and faithful servant. Husband, you've done my will. Wouldn't that be wonderful to stand before God someday and for God to look at you and say, Sir, you did my will in the area of your wife. That would be incredible. And it can be that way. It ought to be that way. And again, I say to you, sir, if you've not been loving your wife, if you've not been setting yourself aside, if you've not been giving your life for her, you can start. Don't go your whole life as a selfish man where life revolves around you There's no sacrificial love where there's no sacrifice. The greatest evidence of love is not what you feel or what you get from another person. It's what you give. And there are times in marriage where you're called upon to make sacrifices for your wife. And when you do it, you demonstrate to your wife that God loves her and how God loves the church. That's what it's an illustration of. You know that my children, and this is convicting... To us this morning, but you know that my children ought to be able to look at their father. And they ought to be able to look at dad, me, to Cindy, and be able to know, because of that picture, how I love my wife, how much God loves them. You know, they always get grossed out when we're kissing. A couple of them are kind of intrigued by it. They'll go by and give a look, and then they'll come around the corner and, like, watch. And then we kind of play it up for them, you know, if they like to gross them out a little. But you know what? That's, that, there's a place for all of that. But you know what? If that's all they ever saw, if the only testimony they had of God's love for his church was what they saw in their father, a husband to their mother, husband to a wife, would they have an accurate picture of Christ's love for his church? They ought to. They ought to. Now, I want to end with this. We see how God expects a husband to love his wife, and that sacrificially, but I want to end with where I started, and that is this. How can you do it? And the answer is only by the filling of the Spirit. You can't do it outside of the Spirit. Now, think with me for just a moment. Christ loved The church so much he gave himself for it. Christ lives within me by his Holy Spirit. His love lives within me. I can say no to his love, and I can respond to my wife in a negative way if she's being negative, or I can I can be negative and and in the flesh when she's being positive and walking in the spirit. But the reality is this the love of Christ, the sacrificial love of Christ lives within me, and Christ wants to live his life through me. So the only way for me to love my wife like Christ loves the church is to let him live his life through me. And there's a couple ways to do it. I may give you three thoughts to do it. Number one is pray and ask God to fill you with the Spirit. 
Now, you, that'd be praying according to his will. He tells us, be filled with the Spirit. That's his will. Biblical praying is praying according to God's will. So I have to pray, Lord, would you have your will in my life? Would you, may, would I be, may, would you, may, may you fill me with your Spirit? Um, that means I'm surrendering my will to my Heavenly Father, the way Christ surrendered his will to his Heavenly Father. I'm devoted to what God wants to accomplish through my life. And it's going to mean that, that Christ is going to have the upper hand, and I'm going to have to say no to the flesh. It also means that I'm willing to surrender. Okay, so pray that God will fill you with the Spirit. Number two, surrender your will to God. And number, number three, submit to the direction of God's Word. Submit to the direction of God's Word. You're going to have to say yes to His Word. And I've already preached that to you this morning. You know, our society loves getting what it wants. Our wants and our dreams are the most important things. But I want you to know that's wrong. Biblical love is sacrifice. It's not about us. Love that gives to receive is not Christ-like love. Love that costs nothing is not love. The Bible describes love not by feelings, but by actions. And the action of love is sacrifice. The greater the love, the greater the sacrifice. And as a husband, you and I ought to willingly and eagerly seek to love our wives sacrificially. We ought to willingly and eagerly. What does he say in verse 25? We ought to willingly and eagerly give ourselves. He gave himself. I want to give you a warning before we end. If you're looking at your needs, and I'm speaking to husbands and wives, if you're looking at your needs as your priority and your focus and you're consumed with what you need, and not your ministry to your spouse, you're setting yourself up some, for some real disappointment. And you know what it's going to do, what's going to end up happening is, if you're consumed with your spouse meeting your needs and being who she ought to be or who he ought to be, you know what you're going to do? You're not going to trust God. You're not going to wait on him. You're going to, you're going to try to help them out. And you're going to manipulate. And everybody does it their own little way. Some people say they would never call it manipulation. I just say it how it is. Okay, so you manipulation, you manipulate through a, a, an all-out frontal assault. Okay. Some of you say, well, no, I, I'm kind, and I, I'm just going to wait for the Lord. Meanwhile, you're kind of working around the edges. You're going to help them out. You're kind of, don't do that. But because there's a couple things that are going to happen. One, they're going to be miserable, and you're going to be miserable. And everybody's miserable. It's terrible. Just trust the Lord, embrace your role, ask him for help and grace to help in that time of need. And as you see the need of your spouse, wives, submit to your husbands, and husbands, love your wives, and both are only possible as we say, God, have your will in my life, and fill me with your spirit so that I can meet the, the need of my spouse and that I can minister to my wife and minister to my husband. And it is a glorious ministry, and it is a profitable ministry, and it is pleasing to God. Would you take your hymnal here?